This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, February 24th, 2023, on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellums. Ahead this hour, Courtney Lanning will review the new film, Cocaine Bear. It's about a bear that eats cocaine. That's coming up. But first, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics joins us from his Fort Smith office. Happy Friday. Well, happy Friday. Um, cocaine bear, that's a scary proposition. Well, I love it because it you you know from the title of the movie what you're getting. You don't have to <laughs> – this isn't a head-scratcher. <laughs> there are no plot mysteries in this one. No. <laughs> Let's start – Cocaine bear. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think the novelization of Cocaine Bear is in the Crawford County Library. And you know what else isn't there oh, is a library system director. Uh, there's There's been a change. Yes, there has. Um, Friday night, um, we may know more about the future of that, but um, the director um, has resigned, unfortunately. Um, and I don't know how I want to tackle this, but um, and it's uh, the director's name is Deidre Grismala, and I, and I, if I'm pronouncing her last name incorrectly, I, I apologize. We don't know why she's resigned now. We know this stems from a controversy over LGBTQ books that she placed in the library, and I'll get to that in a second. But what we don't know is why she's now resigned, because that we had thought they had kind of come to a compromise and that had been mediated. But, you know, just we learned this week she had resigned, so we don't know why. Was she forced out? Did she decide she didn't want the hassle and decided to leave, which really is not that dissimilar from being forced out? Now, What's unfortunate is that is Crawford County Judge Chris Keith and uh, um, Tamara Hamby, the chair of the library board, uh, we'll learn a little bit more about her, her in here in a second, but they thought they could sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, and no one could talk about why she left. I, I, Kyle, I just continue to be amazed and not amused by folks who know better who seek to conduct the public's business in secret. So let's note that the library is a public facility. Crawford County Library System is public. It's built with public dollars. It's funded by public dollars with employees who are paid with public dollars and assets owned by the public. You don't get the in, – in Arkansas's law is clear. In fact, there are at least two case law provisions which says you can't do this. Now, we have sent an FOI request to the county asking for all correspondence, asking for a copy of the NDA and asking for all correspondence between – the library board and judge and all folks involved in the her decision to resign. And we'll see if they want to continue to break the law, if they'll abide by the law. But this is kind of a sad event. I feel sorry for the folks in Crawford County and Van Buren. Uh, the, again, Deidre uh, started when she had an LGBTQ display in the library. And so the objection to the books came from a group who openly advocate for public policies, laws, ordinances, you name it, to reflect biblical principles. Now, of course, these are the principles uh, being the, those that they deem to be the most accurate reflection of their belief. But and, they, and these people openly, they make no bones about it. They openly reject church-state separation. They believe that government should be run according to biblical principles. Now, look, if, if Deidre was out there pushing overt porn, <laughs> controversy could be understandable, but Kyle, the last time I checked, in this country, it's not illegal to be gay. Uh, and books about the LGBT community, I would think, should be treated no different than books about any other demographic or socioeconomic reality. But that's not where we are. And it's, again, it's not just Crawford County. I think we're seeing this pop up all over the country. We saw it in Jonesboro, uh, where they even voters there were convinced to defund the library by half. They were they cut the millage in half because that system director over there had the, again, had the audacity to. Uh, place LGBTQ books uh, in the library. Look, this is not a Sunday school library. This is a public right. library. So, Kyle, our goal is to try to get to drill down. Uh, they're going to have a, again. The board's going to have a kind of a special meeting Friday night, and we're going to continue to push to get an answer through our Freedom of Information Act request. But um, so again, it's sad on two fronts. One, they're breaking the law by how they've done this, try to keep it secret, and then just saying, no, these books don't, um, these books are against our biblical, biblical principles and they can't be in the library. We should point out that the um, resignation comes with about $40,000 in severance pay and the ability for the former director to stay 
uh, to keep health insurance through uh, the end of August. Yeah, which makes I'm glad you raised that point because that makes it even more of a violation right. of state law. Because when public dollars are involved, you don't get to keep a, a non you know there is no non disclosure agreement among public employees over public dollars. Sorry. Well, I'm sure we'll get hopefully we'll have an update on that next week. Speaking of updates, it's been a few weeks since we've talked about water rates in Fort Smith. What's the latest? <laughs> oh gosh, this is complicated. It's like we talked before we went on air. This trying to figure out what the water rate issue is, like trying to understand particle physics, but I'm going to try to quickly explain it. Cities in Arkansas, uh, in fact, there's state legislation that requires them, all cities, to prepare um, and submit a water rate study. And Fort Smith has to have one on or before June 30, 2026. Now, the city was working to, to pull that together anyway, and they halted it a few months ago because also that law has a some language in it that Require, once a city does a study, then they have a certain amount of time to kick in the rates, and they have to kick in. They have a certain amount of time to kick them in fully. And city officials, Fort Smith city officials, uh, are concerned, rightly so, that if the water rate study comes back and says you need to jack your rates up by X amount, then they're just going to have to eat it and pass along oh. to the to the citizens. And obviously, nobody wants to do that. And it's been since 2010 since the the city had a water rate uh, plan, and those rates were adopted in 2011. So I understand the city's reticence to do this, but at the same time, Kyle, I think one of the reasons we're under this federal consent decree, this hundreds of millions of dollar federal consent decree, is that in decades past, city officials didn't want to do the right thing with water and sewer rate increases because you know who wants to be the bad guy and raise water and sewer rates. And so they didn't cover the cost of the water and sewer system. And so it kind of fell apart on them. I, I think city officials don't want the ha- that to happen. They they understand that they need to stay on top of, of growth and you need to stay on top of maintenance, but they're kind of caught in a between a rock and a hard place, so to speak, that if they conduct this study, they could be forced to push rates that, and let, let me, for example, the, the rate may come back and say you need a 50% increase. Um, and so the board may decide, well, well, here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll phase that in over time. Well, the way the law is written now, the state law is written now, it may not give them the flexibility to phase that in the way they want. So they're, A, they're hoping to amend the state law, and B, um, they're just hoping to have kind of a cram down because they don't know what those water rate studies are going to come back and tell them. And they don't want to get hit, you know, having to pass on significant water and sewer rate increases to Fort Smith citizens. And that would be also include out-of-town users, wholesale users, contract water users, and that kind of thing. It wouldn't just be Fort Smith residents. So Van Buren, Cedarville, Barling, all these cities who buy water from Fort Oh, Smith right, of course. Also. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's complicated, and I apologize if I've not given it as much detail as um, maybe I should, but we're going to continue watching. We're going to try to continue making sense of it for our readers. Finally, it was announced this week that Bruce Sykes, who's been the chancellor at Arkansas Tech University Ozark for about a decade, is going to retire. Yeah, and I and kudos to him. He deserved it. He's been in business for a long time. He was uh, He's been with um, Arkansas Tech for 16 years, a little over 16 years, and he, but he was public education. He was a Walden coach and a teacher and a administrator before that. Uh, he's just one of the good guys. You know, Kyle, a lot of the folks we run into in, in the news business, sometimes they're not folks we'd want to hang around with later, but versus he's one of those guys. He's hearts uh, always been in the right place. He's really focused. I know there are some people in Arkansas who don't think we do a good job with workforce development. I would challenge them to, check in and see what Bruce and ETU Ozark has done over the years. They've got a commendable record uh, in terms of workforce development. But uh, kudos to him. I hate to see him go, but at the same time, he deserves a retirement. And I have a feeling he's going to pop up somewhere. Bruce is not the kind of guy to go to go retire quietly. Exactly. Uh, you can read about all of these items and many others at talkbusiness.net. Uh, Michael, thanks a lot. And, um, if either of us watches Cocaine Bear this weekend, we'll talk about that next week, too. Okay, and I'll try to talk real fast. <laughs>
The Freshgrass Music Festival returns to the Momentary in Bentonville May 19th and 20th, featuring award-winning artists Camp, L. King, Mavis Staples, Sierra Farrell, the Del McCory Band, and more. Tickets at themomentary.org. It's Friday, and we will be escorted into the weekend later this hour with Squirrel Jam. Well, we were sitting around wondering, well, what are we going to call ourselves? And uh, I remember Diana saying, well... We could be Squirrel Jam. It's, it's not Pearl Jam, but it's <laughs> A bit of Winslow inside our Firm and Garner Performance Studio later on today's Ozarks at Large. In the background is saxophonist Tim Reese interpreting a Rolling Stones tune. You can't always get what you want in a jazz rendition. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from Tim Reese as well as Russell Malone, Charles Lloyd, Charles Fambro, Billy Taylor, and much more this week on Shades of Jazz right here on KUAF. Shades of Jazz tonight beginning at 10 on 91.3 KUAF and then tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3. An amended bill passed by the Arkansas Senate this week will allow criminal charges to be pressed against public librarians and teachers who knowingly provide objectionable library reading materials to children and teens. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. Addressing the Arkansas Senate on Wednesday, State Senator Dan Sullivan, a Republican from Jonesboro, laid out Senate Bill 81, which he sponsored. This isn't removing any books. It doesn't let the legislature remove any books. This just sets out a process for appeals for parents. Sullivan says the bill removes an exemption that protects librarians under current obscenity law that will free concerned parents and guardians to file complaints against librarians for holding what they consider to be obscene library materials for any child or teen to access. Targeted are books on sex education, race, equity, and inclusion, and LGBTQ culture. The bill codifies an appeals process for librarians to comply with if challenged, requiring libraries to form special review committees open to the public. Criminal charges could then be filed against librarians and teachers for knowingly allowing access by youth to allegedly obscene materials. The bill grants power of judicial review of any appeals by librarians to city boards and county quorum courts. If librarians are found guilty, their cases are handed over to local prosecutors and judges, Sullivan says. Initially, the bill levied a felony charge, but that was amended to a misdemeanor offense. One more thing, Senate Bill 81 will allow parents and guardians to demand libraries hand over personal data showing reading materials checked out by their children and teens. Again, State Senator Dan Sullivan. You've probably gotten a lot of emails and texts on this. I know I have. I've spoken to quite a number of attorneys, and we didn't have any attorneys speaking against the bill on the floor. We've talked with the Attorney General's office. We've talked with BLR. We've met from, with attorneys from both sides of it. Yet no, no attorneys oppose this on legal issues. Retired educator and Democrat State Senator Linda Chesterfield, District 12, Little Rock, questioned if the bill would require removal of Bibles from school and public libraries. In the Bible, it refers to rape, to incest. The Song of Solomon is very, very provocative. I don't want people to be able to say, I don't want the Bible in the library. Sullivan assured Chesterfield that Bibles will remain on library shelves. The bill, if passed into law, will allow parents with extreme views to decide which books, including academic and classic texts, are obscene, holding librarians responsible. April Griffith is Regional Library Administrator for the Carroll and Madison Library System. My initial reaction to Senate Bill 81 was dismay. We are taught as librarians is a, a deep respect for people's freedoms to, to find information, to find all sorts of different ideas, and to have privacy when they do that. Griffith worries that under this bill, which amends Arkansas's current obscenity law, librarians will be at great risk. For providing material to a minor, um, that could be claimed to be obscene. 
Now, um, since it's come out of the Judiciary Committee um, at the Senate, they've made some amendments. They've reduced that felony to a misdemeanor, which would still um, possibly result in a $2,500 fine um, and a year in jail. Public librarians, she says, are guided by the American Library Association's Library Bill of Rights. That does, you know, affirm these principles that uh, collection should represent uh, diverse viewpoints um, and be inclusive and that people should be able to have access to those materials. Library advocates across the country say more and more books by diverse authors on racism, sexuality, gender, and history are disappearing from library shelves, being decreed off limits by conservative school boards, legislators, and other authorities. Senate Bill 81 was transmitted to the House late Wednesday, where it will undergo committee review for final approval. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. The Arkansas Senate advanced Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' omnibus education legislation yesterday. The bill passed by a vote of 25 to 7, with Senator Jimmy Hickey being the only Republican to vote no. Joseph Lenora with our partner station KUAR has details. Republican Senator Breanne Davis presented the wide-ranging education bill to the Arkansas Senate. Among many provisions in the bill, it would usher in a new era of school choice voucher programs in Arkansas, repeal the Teacher Fair Dismissal Act, and raise starting teacher salaries. Davis said the law was designed to support teachers and students. The priority of this legislation is straightforward, the students of Arkansas. They are the future of our state, and we believe that every child should have access to quality education that fits their educational journey. Democratic Senator Clark Tucker said he supports many things in the bill, but he ultimately could not vote for it. He said poverty was the root cause of failing education and that Arkansas had done enough to create school choice programs. Tucker asked his colleagues to think about the many teachers who came to the Capitol to protest the legislation. That these public servants who are heroes in my eyes have shown up to argue against their own raises because they think that's what's in the best interest of their students. The bill now goes to a House committee. In Little Rock, I'm Josie Lenora. Flu-related deaths are on the rise in Arkansas as the state health department reports minimal activity. The Arkansas Department of Health's latest flu report this week said that 140 flu deaths were reported so far this season, which includes one pediatric death. That's up by one from a week ago. Reported flu cases are up by about 300 from a week ago to more than 21,700. Students absent from school reportedly because of the flu increased by about 1% from a week ago to 7%. Nursing homes and other institutions reporting flu outbreaks remain the same from a week ago at 21. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review here on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. Arts Live Theater began its spring classes for youth this week, though there are still slots available. I spoke with Julie Gable, who says this spring they're offering theater instruction to four different age groups. We are starting at four years old. We're doing Paw Patrol and we're doing Winnie the Pooh Mm -hmm. uh, Explorers. uh, And that kind of coincides with one of our mini productions we're doing at the Amazium. We also have six to eight year olds, nine to 12 year olds, and then our teenagers. Shrek, uh, superheroes, twisted fairy tales, ways of the wizarding world. And I know last season we talked that that was uh, quite the popular one. Uh, Comedy improv. We also, for the first time, are offering a class in just theater games. When we teach uh, our classes, when we have productions, uh, we do a lot of warm-up games that help strengthen uh, the actor's tools. And the kids love the theater games. So we thought, why don't we just offer a class with theater games? And it will strengthen them to go on to whatever next step production or whatever uh, they're interested in. Well, now that sounds yeah. like a very, well, they all sound like fun classes, right. but that sounds really cool. And our cool. Shrek uh, class is, in, is coinciding with Shrek the Musical, which is our musical this year, oh. which goes up the first weekend in May up at Springdale at the Medium, formerly known as Cash, formerly oh. known as ACO. Julie Gable with Arts Live Theater. For more, artslivetheater.com. Thursday morning, the Bentonville Public Library and the Pollinator Partnership hosted a community class called Nativing Suburbia. It looked at ways that homeowners can incorporate more native plants while maintaining neighborhood standards. The Pollinator Partnership is an international organization 
with an Arkansas chapter led by Sarah Wittenberg, Arkansas's pollinator liaison. I serve two roles right now with Pollinator Partnership. The liaison part is through the Natural Resources Conservation Service, which is a federal agency. And so a lot of people might not know, but they actually provide free technical assistance to people who are looking for more advice to install pollinator habitat on their property. And also I'm the coordinator for our Bee Friendly Gardening Program, which that is a national initiative. Okay. We have a, our signature Bee Friendly Farming Program, which helps farmers get involved with installing pollinator habitat. And then offshoot of that was our gardening program because we had people who weren't doing things in a commercial setting but they wanted to be involved. So it's a membership program in which you can sign up and we'll give you all kinds of cool perks and help you know to install pollinator habitat in your own spaces. doesn't have to just be your backyard. It can be college campuses like the U of A. It can be um, really anybody that's not in a commercial setting, a place of worship. It can be a schoolyard habitat. So lots of different ways to get involved with our Bee Friendly Gardening Program. There's a big push recently to kind of in in shift a bit towards the native plant aspect because you know these plants and these bees did evolve together and when it comes to the bee world it's not all about the honeybees which are actually not even native to our area a lot of people just think of honey and honeybees those native bees really rely on native plants and the resources throughout the growing season so it's important to provide floral resources beginning in spring when it's starting to warm up like it will be here soon and there's not very many resources around all the way through fall like um as we're right in the, the corridor of the migrating butterfly and so when they start to arrive in April they need food right away um, all the way up until when they leave in November. Sarah Wittenberg with the Pollinator Project. The next in this series of free community classes is titled Urban Agriculture and Sarah will be joined by Eric Fuselet of Wild Ones, a group highlighted here on the Community Spotlight in the past. That's scheduled for March 1st also at the Bentonville Public Library. For more search Pollinator Partnership on Eventbrite. And we wrap up this weekly review with an event taking place next Thursday, the Kindle Mountain Tour. It's curated by the local nonprofit Pedal It Forward. Remember, this nonprofit collects used bicycles, fix them, then distribute to those who need them with the help of over 60 pedal partners. Here's Kenny Williams, executive director with Pedal It Forward. We focus on a variety of organizations that serve adults who might need a helping hand, whether it be a veteran getting to an appointment, or someone who's currently homeless getting to a job interview. Okay, March 2nd, it's called the Kendall Mountain Tour. Let's give some history of this. Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, similar to what some Fayette villains may remember as the as the Banff mm-hmm. Tour. Uh, this is the UK's version, and it is their biggest mountain film festival. So that's high adventure. It's also mountain culture. It's going to be the best of short films that describe the mountain lifestyle, uh, something that we love here in the Ozarks, uh, but with a with a UK kind of British flair. Have you gotten a preview of any maybe of these? Is there something you're really looking forward to? Yeah, I won't I won't give away too much, but just uh, be assured that. Even though Pedal It Forward is a cycling organization, this festival will cover uh, the the entire span of mountain culture, uh, from life in the mountains to running to skiing to a little bit of cycling, of course. But there will be something for everyone who loves to be outdoors. Kenny Williams with Pedal It Forward. If you might be interested in becoming one of those pedal partners, you can find all the information at pedalitforward.org. A quick look ahead to next week, we'll hear from the folks putting on the Pause for Love event. That's a celebration of therapy dogs. Lifestyle's annual fundraiser is coming up. We'll hear from Executive Director John Newman. And a favorite of the community spotlight, Arkansas Archaeology Month. We'll hear about what's in store for March from the Archaeological Survey and Society. That's always a fun talk. The Community Spotlight. Weekday mornings at 631 and 831 and here on Ozarks at Large. You can also listen at KUAF.com. Just look to the right of the screen. I'm Pete Hartman. Remember, your voice matters. This is Ozarks at Large. It's time to make plans for the weekend and beyond. To do that, to help us do that, is Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. So what are we going to start with? Well, we're going to start down in the River Valley with with a show that I would really like to go down and see tomorrow night. It's called Cross That River, 
and it's happening at the Alma Performing Arts Center, which has been renamed the Skokos Performing Arts Center. Right. And the show comes from a guy named Alan Harris, who is a big deal vocalist, guitarist, songwriter, band leader, who grew up going to his grandfather's farm in western Pennsylvania, where he learned to ride horses and work with livestock, right? Mm-hmm. So when he went back to school and he wrote something about how he spent his summer, he wrote that he rode horses and worked with black cowboys, and they told him he was lying. There was no such thing as a black cowboy. But we know that's not true. We know that's not true, and it started him on this idea that someday he was going to write a Western that depicted the life of a cowboy of color in the 1800s. Cross the River is that story. It follows a runaway slave who escapes to Texas to become one of the first black cowboys, and it's performed as a song cycle, Mm -hmm. concert style, one show only, as they are usually, because they're on their way from somewhere to somewhere. Right. 7.30 Saturday night at the Alma Performing Arts Center, and tickets start at $25 at skokospoc.org, S-K-O-K-O-S-P-A-C.org. Or up in our neck of the woods, there's a special concert Saturday night in Farmington with the Arkansas Winds Community Concert Band honoring Eldon Jansen, who apparently passed away recently, and I missed that. But he was the founder of the Arkansas Winds. College band director, mm-hmm. gosh, a million people played in his bands at the University of Arkansas. And this performance is going to honor him. It's called a musical mosaic. It happens at 7 o'clock Saturday at the Farmington High School Performing Arts Center. And it's free with donations welcome. Alice is very popular right now. As in Alice in Wonderland? Yes. Alice in Wonderland, an original script by Kevin Cody, is on stage at 6.30 today and tomorrow at the Pat Allison Performing Arts Center at the Don Tyson School of Innovation in Springdale. And tickets for it are $10. Whereas Wonderland, the real story, which is an adaptation by Missy Gibson for the Young Actors Guild, is on stage for the last performance at 7 o'clock today at the King Opera House in Van Buren. They're trying to find Alice's cat, and it brings together characters like Dracula, Little Bo Peep, and Cinderella. If you know Missy Gibson, it makes sense to you. Yes. This is the last weekend for Kim's Convenience at Theater Squared. Last show Sunday, then it'll be gone forever. It's also the last weekend for Hedda Gabler at University Theater in Fayetteville. 7.30 today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock on Sunday. And wrapping up its run at Arkansas Public Theater at the Victory in downtown Rogers, Little Shop of Horrors, 8 o'clock today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock Sunday. I can't say enough about this show. And then there's also a couple of lectures at the Momentary in Bentonville by food writer, author, and activist Sandor Katz. Oh, that's right. Tonight at 6 and at 11 tomorrow. $45 a ticket. Tommy Terrific's Wacky Magic, who I think is from Little Rock, is all over the place right now for Black History Month. He's at Rogers Public Library tomorrow morning at 10, and at Fort Smith's Main Library tomorrow afternoon at 2. And then on Sunday, bless them, they have a Mountain Street stage at the Fayetteville Public Library, a band called the Velvet Crowns at 2 o'clock. And if I haven't harped at you enough about why you should go to that, let me tell you again. Great performances, great space in the event center, free. And at Squirrel Jam night, Sunday night at 5 at Ozark Folkways in Winslow, also free. We're going to hear from them in just a couple of minutes on the show. How convenient. Yes. All right. Thank you, Becca. I'm Maria Hinojosa. This week on Latino USA, we bring you a special episode from La Brega Season 2, a new podcast series from Futuro Studios and WNYC Studios about the Puerto Rican experience, this time told through music. That's this week on Latino USA. Latino USA, Sunday afternoon, beginning at 3 on KUAF. 
Sunday, Ozark Folkways in Winslow will hold its first Squirrel Jam of 2023. The monthly open jam session takes place the fourth Sunday of every month. Songs range from traditionals to more contemporary selections, and even several original songs penned by some of the attendees as part of the regular repertoire. Recently, several members of the Squirrel Jam came to our Firmagara Performance Studio to talk about the monthly gathering with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis, and to perform a few songs for us. In a few minutes, we'll talk with Dan Dean, Mary Anderson, Amy Blazer, and Dave Blazer. But first, an original song performed by the group. Dave gives us a bit of an explanation. Dan wrote this song uh, kind of around uh, what uh, uh, what we were doing at the time, including some instruments. And so, uh, actually, these three were written by uh, Caesar Originals from us. Yeah, we have a, a songbook of about 150 songs from all, all genres, all time periods that we uh, project the chords and music um, when we play as a group. So, What did we say uh, from uh, Hank Williams to Pink Floyd? That we got <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite a variety. <laughs> all right, everybody ready? Every Sunday evening in our slow little town A bunch of friends meet up and we gather all around Picking and a grinning just as happy as can be We're Smiling and a singing at the Squirrel Jamboree There's a rowdy ukulele section in the second row Rocking four stringers and a swaying to and fro Guitars are strumming and a chunking loud and clear Banjos are a hammering and a twanging in the rear and harmonica are sounding mighty fine The bass and the percussion work to keep us all in time We don't argue about religion or what's on the news We just tune them up and ramble out some 12-bar blues Every Sunday evening in our slow little town A bunch of friends meet up and we gather all around Picking and a grinning just as happy as can be Smiling and a singing at the Squirrel Jamboree Classical or folk or 80s pop Reggae, rock or bluegrass We don't ever want to stop Performing for each other when we get up the guts We love singing songs together Like a squirrel loves nuts The songs in the book are listed alphabetically The chord durations are denoted parenthetically Laying all together any rhythm, any key Especially if the chords are mostly G and F and C Every Sunday evening in our slow little town A bunch of friends meet up and we gather all around Picking and a grinning just as happy as can be Smiling and a singing at the Squirrel Jamboree Every Sunday evening in our slow little town A bunch of friends meet up and we gather all around Picking and a grinning just as happy as can be Smiling and a singing at the Squirrel Jamboree So Ozark Folkways is an arts center in Winslow that the building was built in the 40s and then was established as a nonprofit organization in 1994. We offer workshops, concerts, and we have a gallery featuring Ozark's artists. And the arts, they're a pretty broad thing, but some people would consider it also includes music, right? Right. Absolutely. So how do you all work that into your overall programming? So in addition to the concerts, we have this Squirrel Jam group that meets regularly. Mm -hmm. And we have on the fourth Sundays of the month at 5 o'clock, we invite people from all over the region to come and play songs with us. How did the idea for this Squirrel Jam begin? Like, how long have you all been doing it? We've been involved uh, in playing together for about seven years. And we were talking about this the other day. It probably started at a New Year's Eve party with some of us standing around playing music and others saying, I would like to do that as well. And then we began meeting on Sunday nights and have done so for the last seven years. With the exception of COVID and the two years off for that, we have played pretty much every Sunday evening as a small group since then. And there were other folks in the community that said, we would like to play too. We would like to have a place where we could play our instrument. And we decided as a group to open it up to anybody that wanted to join us on the fourth Sundays. 
And we began doing that before COVID hit. And then we took a break and we have just recently opened that back up to the community. And February 26th will be our next open gathering of any person that wants to play a instrument, sing with their voice at any level, beginner, advanced, uh, whoever is welcome. And people who just want to watch the music as well can come by, right? We have folks that have come from as far as Siloam just to sit Mm -hmm. in and listen. These are folks that had uh, found us over at Terra Studios at a music event over there. And uh, yes, we do have folks that just sit in and listen. Now, I know today here in the studio, guitar, bass, vocals, ukulele are all represented. What kind of instruments do you normally get? What kind of mix? We've had all kinds. So we've had saxophone. We've had a flautist. We've had a lady who played accordion. We've had violin, sure. Uh, Dulcimer, keyboard. What's that? Banjo. Banjo, right? (laughs) Yeah, so pretty much anything you can imagine. Percussion instruments. Acoustic, primarily. Right. Yeah, acoustic. Harmonica. Harmonica. Harmonica, yeah. As we were discussing before we started this interview, I grew up in Winslow and knew a lot of people in the area, both young and old, who played music or were interested in music. Do you all get a nice variety of people in the door at the Squirrel Jam? We have people from all over the world coming to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to Squirrel Jam. But on the open nights, we have people coming from a large area, and it's always good to see them. The songs are projected on a screen with the chords and all the words, so anyone can join in. Okay. We've had folks from as far away as uh, Texas, uh, Minnesota, California that have joined us. At, you know, they're visiting family, have heard about it, and, and want to join us. And you were vacationing somewhere and introduced yourself, and someone said, oh, yeah, you're in that Squirrel Jam. Oh, right? <laughs> oh yes, and I've even had family that knew of Squirrel Jam uh, leading a, uh, a guided tour out in San Francisco and said, hey, I know somebody from Winslow. Do you know anybody from Squirrel Jam? And, and uh, uh, Leanne, I think one of our members had, uh, it was one, some of their family or a friend of theirs, yeah. yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I guess there is a lot more in common between San Francisco and Winslow than just the hills. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to invite anybody that would like to join us on the 26th will be our next open music gathering. And we do meet at 5 p.m. And that is at Ozark Folkways and the website. If, If there would be bad weather and people are wondering if if it's canceled or if it's still going to be if we're gathering they could go to the website to find that out okay one thing i'd like to say is a lot of people think winslow is kind of like a long long way away the reality is it's a 30 minute drive Mm -hmm. from fayetteville so it's really worth the time to come down there i also wanted to say you know this as a winslow native timothy but the mascot of the winslow (laughs) high school when we had a high school was the squirrel that's where we got it. Right. Still the best mascot I think I've ever encountered. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was a tiger. I was not a squirrel. Uh, but <laughs> case of rock. Uh, Amy, you were saying the other day how we got our name. Can you, yes. can you tell us? Um, one of our early members, Diana, well, we were sitting around wondering, well, what are we going to call ourselves? And uh, I remember Diana saying, well, we could be Squirrel Jam. It's, it's not Pearl Jam, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> Tell Timothy the story behind this. is pretty cool. Okay. Oh, well, he's doing this. I'll tell him the story. We, um, Dave and Amy and Steve and I all went on a, a float on the, on the Buffalo River. We were out for five days. And when we were coming on shore, we met these two young men who graciously helped us load our canoes. I think they were trying to get us out of the way. Because, <laughs> because when we had pretty well finished tying up, we hear the sound of this motor. And all they'd had with them was one kayak. And when we looked over the wall down to the river, this is what we saw. Okay. Leaf blower, kayak motor, don't mind 
This next song is one that I wrote about Ozark Folkways for a contest that was held several years ago, and it's called Keeping the Dream Alive. Long years ago, Clara Muxon had a vision on a trip through Arkansas. Boston mountain sunset filled her soul with awe of a school for mountain folk teaching skills they needed to survive. She built the school by the end of her life, but her dream seemed to have died. But we're keeping the dream alive, keeping the dream alive. For Ozark native crafts Where they could continue the folk traditions Of generations past They fixed up Clara's building To show and sell their handmade goods And started teaching classes On the art of carving wood They were keeping the dream alive Keeping the dream alive Ozark folkways is keeping the dream alive
members of Ozark Folkways Squirrel Jam. The next session takes place this Sunday evening at 5 p.m. at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. You can find more information at Ozark Folkways Facebook page or at ozarkfolkways.org. And Sunday morning at 9 on Weekend Ozarks at Large, we'll hear another track performed by the group. KUAF's concert series, The Lunch Hour, will be taking place on Saturday, February 25th during the 5th annual Black-Owned Northwest Arkansas Business Expo at the Fayetteville Town Center from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We will be celebrating Black History Month alongside more than 60 Black-owned businesses in the region while enjoying food from local Black-owned food vendors and music from artist and filmmaker Mike Day. For more information on the event, visit KUAF.com and look for The Lunch Hour. This is Ozarks at Large. There are certain movie titles that just tell you what you're going to see, including the new film Cocaine Bear. It's about a bear that eats cocaine. Courtney Lanning has seen Cocaine Bear and is here to tell us about it. Welcome back to Ozarks at Large, Courtney. Kyle, thanks for having me. Cocaine Bear, what do we think? Honestly, Kyle, this is a fun throwback to bloody 80s monster movies. They had ideas on how to make monster movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They usually involved a lot of killed characters and gore and guts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this movie is is a love letter to people who remember those and enjoyed them greatly. I do have the premise right. Uh, A bear ingests some cocaine and then goes on a rampage? Yeah, so fun fact, this is based on a true story, mostly. Uh, You see, back in the 80s, there was uh, an airplane that dumped a bunch of cocaine in the rural forests of Western Georgia. And a black bear did indeed consume vast amounts of said cocaine. And this movie is exactly that. Uh, it opens up with a guy who is clearly high on cocaine, dancing around a plane to uh, Jane by Jefferson Starship and throwing cocaine out the, uh, out the door. And then he goes to jump uh, before the plane crashes and he bangs his head on the, the top of the plane and then he falls to his death because he's not conscious to pull his parachute oh my and that just that just really sets the tone because <laughs> the next scene we're given there's a couple of i believe they're norwegian tourists who are hiking through that that area and they come upon this bear and at first they are enamored oh a bear we get to see one in the wild we take pictures of it and then you know as the bear attacks a tree they're starting to realize there's something wrong with this creature and then it kills one of them, oh. and uh, uh, just immediately, boop, right off the bat, gory, blood-splattered murder, and uh, the bear did it. <laughs> Are there familiar faces in this movie? You know, uh, for fans of the late Ray Liotta, this is one of his last movies that he made before, of course, dying. He's got a couple more, I think, that have already been filmed, but they, they included a nice... Nice tag at the end, you know, in loving memory of Ray, Ray Liotta. And he's great. You know, you don't see Al Pacino running around in this movie. But um, character actors <laughs> right. who are perfect for these cardboard cutouts that run around in the woods and get murdered by a bear. My, my favorite character was Margot Martindale. Oh, I love Margot um, Martindale. Ray, she is fantastic. I loved her on Justified. She was one of my favorite villains named in- Max Bennett. She was on The Americans um, and was great in that. Yeah, so she's fantastic. And she's in this. She plays this uh, Southern Park Ranger with horrible aim <laughs> and terrible luck in the love department. And she was just my favorite. I loved her. Not what we would call family fair, however. Cocaine Bear, as the title implies, uh, is not for kids. And it's not for people who are squeamish like you, Kyle. Um, yes, I will be passing on Cocaine Bear. But it's in theaters. It is. You can go watch this in theaters today and have a good, fun-filled time. Honestly, uh, I think theaters, you know, most of the time I'll say, eh, it doesn't really matter where you watch a movie as long as you're having fun. But this is one that I think benefits not necessarily from the size of the screen, but the number of people you're watching the movie with. This is a much funner group movie than it is gotcha. a movie on your own. You know, you feel like you're having more fun when you are surrounded by other people who are uh, laughing um, at the at the the jokes, the punchlines, or who are cringing at all of the gore. You know, when you're in a group, the the movie feels more fun. Well, you know, between Cocaine Bear and this new Winnie the Pooh horror movie, bears are out to get us in 2023. 
you know what, Kyle, just for, for safety's sake, I'm going to try to avoid angering any bears for the next couple of weeks. I think that's a good idea. Any idea what we'll be talking about next week? Uh, next week, I will be talking with you about the new Creed movie. This mm. is basically Rocky Nine, um, although I don't believe Sylvester Stallone is actually in this one. Uh, this is Michael B. Jordan playing, you know, Adonis Creed's son from from the first couple Rocky movies. Or, uh, yeah, I guess the first couple Rocky yeah. movies. All right, Creed three next week. Courtney, thank you so much. Kyle, thanks for having me. KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, a psychiatrist providing infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Following NIMH protocol, studies show ketamine infusion therapy can reduce suicidal ideation and is an effective alternative when other treatments fail. drkathleenwong.com for more information. Experience Fayetteville celebrates the local and diverse food scene with Fayetteville Restaurant Week, February 19th to the 25th. Participating restaurants will have limited-time menu offerings and giveaways. More information, as well as participating restaurants, available at experiencefayetteville.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville. Mount Olive. KUIF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today include Jacqueline Froelich, Josie Lenora, Pete Hartman, Michael Tilly, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. And we had some additional material from the folks at KUAR, Public Radio for Central Arkansas and Little Rock. I produced today's show in the Bruce and Ann Applegate <laughs> News Studio 2. You did indeed. Uh, we'll be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. And then next week, another another full week another of new slate. shows. <laughs> yes. That's what we do here, Kyle. We, we just make new shows. Um, today is a very fun day. As you just said, uh, this is arguably one of your favorite days of yes. the year because this is the day that the Kansas City Royals and the Arkansas Razorbacks baseball team play on the same day. Right. So spring training opens today uh, in Surprise, Arizona for the Kansas City Royals. So they will be playing the Texas Rangers first day of spring training. It's like an inter- it's not an inter-squad game. They're playing the Rangers, but it's very low-key, right? Yeah. And then the Razorbacks have their first weekend home game of the year. Is it Southern Illinois? Illinois State. Illinois State. No, no, no. Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois. I should know this. I know all of these schools yes. as an Illinois native. Uh, and, and that game will be today at Bomb Stadium. And then, of course, they've got Saturday and Sunday. For me, life is just better when there's baseball available on the radio. Do we know where they're playing in Arizona, or is that a surprise? No, no. It's Surprise, Arizona. Oh, oh, got it. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, that's where their spring training is. Got it. They share a spring training uh, facility with the Texas Rangers. Oh. And that's why they always open up against each other. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yes, baseball. Baseball is back. Uh, Spring is right around the corner. March arrives on Wednesday next week. Yep. I don't – I've never been diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, (laughs) but my coworkers will tell you that I don't like gray skies, I don't like cold weather, and we're just about to have it all in our rearview mirror. Absolutely. It's going to be great. Uh, next week, uh, Randy Dixon and I, for the next Prior Center Profile, are talking about Mac McClarty, who's nice. an Arkansas native and, of course, had a, a big role in the Clinton presidency. So that's something that we'll have on next week. Uh, all sorts of things. Uh, we're going to talk about Roger's uh, short film festival, that's right. which is next weekend. Yep. So plenty still to come on next week's shows. Absolutely. And if you ever miss an edition of Ozarks at Large, you can find it in your podcast feed. You can find it on ozarksatlarge.com, or you can ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend.